In just two days, we'll most likely have the opportunity to live a new year, start a new year anyway, 2019. Hopefully, you're excited about that. It's the time of the year that we typically reflect and start thinking about resolutions. Uh, this morning, uh, my challenge will be on how we can invest well this new year, investing well in 2019. You know, life does just move along. Uh, I know uh, it seems like the older you get, it just uh, gets faster and faster, but it's the same for all of us. It's still 24 hours. It's, uh, uh, my days are as long as your days or as short as your days. Uh, but the thing that about uh, our time is it, it really is temporary in light of eternity. In fact, James tells us in James 4, verse 14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Poof, a puff of smoke, really, is all our life is in light of eternity. Um, and what I've learned about life, at least my life, is we will or I will invest my time in, one, in what matters to me. Uh, I'll use my time for what I think is important. Um, my mom passed away just two years ago, uh, the, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, she passed. And uh, she is a dear lady. I still miss her. I talk, I talk about her and think about her probably every day. And uh, one thing she used to say was, Gary, we have time to do what we want to do. And there's so much truth to that. We have time to do what we want to do. We have time to invest in what matters to us. So this morning, I'd like to challenge us all with five simple, well, they're not really simple, five investments of how we can really impact lives and impact eternity. So that'll be our challenge this morning of wise investments for the new year. And uh, uh, there's lots of scripture I'll share with you that go along with these, so I encourage you to uh, follow along and maybe uh, reference these at different times as we, uh, as we look at this. But the first thing I'd like us just to remind us all of this morning is that it's a wise investment to serve. It's a wise investment to serve. It's, it, it's a good thing to serve. And again, I think oftentimes we want to be celebrities, we want to be served, but, but the best model for us in Scripture and in life is Jesus. And Jesus showed us what servanthood was all about. And there's a passage that's going to come up on the screen in, in Matthew 20 that I'd like to read to us this morning. The mother of Zebedee, of Zebedee's sons, came to Jesus uh, with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Now stay with me through the passage. It says, when the ten heard about this, these were the other disciples, they were indignant with the two brothers. Of course, it was James and John. And Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. 
And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Clearly in this example, in Matthew, Jesus teaches a picture and modeled servanthood. Uh, and really the, the concern by mom here and even uh, the, the disciples was who wanted to be greatest. And again, that's not a right perspective when it comes to, to doing life, to, to, to living an abundant life. Um, Jesus shows us and models for us what it looks like, servanthood. And, and many scriptures give us what servanthood looks like. I, I know Philippians, a book that I, I've come to, to cherish and love, is just four chapters, but Paul's in prison, and he gives us good counsel on, on serving and how we can have joy in serving. But he mentions two things about serving here that I think are important because true servanthood can really come by, by how we speak and how we live our lives. But, but, but the first thing I, I, I'd like to mention this morning is in Philippians 2, verse 14, we're told to do everything without grumbling and arguing. In other words, stop complaining. Stop griping about everything. And, and I'll tell you, I'm probably <clears throat> one of the biggest chirpers there is when things don't go my way. I just uh, tend to complain. In fact, um, sometimes... During the holiday season, we'll have company, and, and often I'm the one that gets to do the dishes. And uh, very often when I do the dishes, I hope people notice that I do the dishes. <laughs> but so often that's not the case. So we just have learned to use paper plates. It's uh, a little more simple, but so the idea is we, we tend to think, well, you know, they should at least appreciate me and, and thank me for, for this. And, and, you know, really... When you think of this idea of serving, you know, there's never complaining in the equation. In fact, um, I, I've learned when I really want to complain, talk to Jesus about it. In fact, you can even complain to Jesus. Man, Jesus, no one thanked me for doing all those dishes. I bought the food that they ate, and, and no one appreciates me. But talking to Jesus about it, he'll give you the right perspective through it. And in fact, sometimes we'll complain about things that really are just preferences. You know, we had the opportunity to be in Florida for Christmas, 75 degrees Christmas Day. Who would want to live in Florida? Um, anyway, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a pleasurable time, but we were in Florida with my daughter uh, and son-in-law, and, and we got to visit them Christmas Eve, and uh, they put a new stage in too, just so you know. They didn't. They didn't. Uh, but, but it was interesting because we were in church with them, and my son-in-law is the pastor of this church, and, and he was saying, you know, he, he got to talking about uh, doing hospital calls and visits, and he visited an elderly lady in the church, and, uh, you know, she was near death, and she was on oxygen, and, and she said, you know, during the visit, she took her mask off and goes, the music's too loud. <laughs> she's complaining about the music, and she's almost dying. And, and the attitude is like, man. So you got to come to Pleasant City if you want loud music. Um, actually, theirs is louder, so be thankful. Um, the idea, though, is there's never room to complain. There's never room to, 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 to complain. And again, when we feel like we think we need to complain, I encourage you to just take it to Jesus. 
And then we demand too sometimes. And I encourage you to stop demanding. Paul again tells us, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, there's not an option here. It's a very clear mandate, command from Scripture to, to, to not have demands on people. And think of interests of the other, not yourself. You know, I think sometimes even we, we sometimes feel like there's certain people we can complain and be demanding with. Like, uh, I know sometimes I think it's okay to complain to my wife. And that's not true right either. You know, I, I need to be a light and be a model of a servant to her. And, you know, we feel like we have license sometimes when we're closer to certain people. But that's, that, again, there's, there's no room for that. So, so don't be a demanding person as well. Truly living God's way will model servanthood. And servanthood can really come out in, in how we speak and, and what our words uh, are when we speak. In fact, I encourage you to serve uh, a local church. If you're part of this church, you know, you should be serving. You should be part of this body and allowing it to function well. You know, there's people who get here uh, before uh, daylight and start making coffee so we can drink it. There's people here who come and they blow the sidewalks off and, and make sure there's no leaves out there so, so we can uh, have a, a nice curb appeal when we come in. And we take those people for granted. You know, there's people who serve the nursery and serve the children's ministry. You know, get involved. There's all kind of places where we can intentionally make a difference and be involved in this idea of serving. In fact, reach out to lonely people in your neighborhood. You know, I'm sure there's people maybe uh, near you that could use a, a, a visit, uh, a catch-up. Uh, uh, take them a plate of cookies. I encourage you to do that. Uh, make it about them, not yourself. So uh, a wise investment is serving. I promise if, if we serve and I do it in the attitude that, that Jesus wants us to have, you know, we won't look back at the end of next year and, and say, yeah, boy, I wish I hadn't served so much. I think it'll be the opposite. Say, man, I'm just thankful I got to serve in this way. Be a serving person. God will bless that. Secondly, a wise investment, you probably knew we'd get to this, but we need to connect. It's so important that we're uh, connected to a body of people. Um, in fact, I believe a, a small group, a connection group, is, is a great investment, and it'll help you even in this serving aspect. Uh, Jesus, through the scriptures, shows us a picture of what this can look like. In the book of Acts, we see in Acts chapter 2, and the church has just started. And Luke is talking about this early church. And look what it says this early church participated in. It says in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, listen to this, in this gathering, everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And as we, as we look at this passage, we see a lot here about what the early church is supposed to look like and how we're supposed to model 
what it looks like. And again, the gospel made a difference in this church. As I look at this, first of all, I see uh, that as they connected, as they invested in connection, they, they come together. They gathered. There was a gathering that took place. Um, they, they gathered in the temple courts. And I believe the temple courts would kind of be in a, in a, a gathering like this, where you come together in a, in, a, in a larger group. But it also says that they went from house to house and they gathered. So they had small group. They had community group. They had connect group. They, they, this was important to them. And again, you need more than just coming together in this context. It's a good thing. We're glad you're here, but we really want you to get involved in something that can even encourage you further in your growth and walk with Christ. And that's why we offer these things we call connect groups, where we study the Bible together. You develop a prayer team together and, and a prayer base. You can, you can serve one. In fact, I, I got to visit a, a group that had a Christmas gathering uh, two Saturdays ago. And, uh, you know, they, they had a great fellowship. They had a time of devotion. And then there was someone in the group that just had a tough year when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, just making ends meet. And they blessed that group with a, a large money gift. Uh, I said, man, I wish I was part of this group. And they really were there to, to support and to encourage them. And I tell you, it's important that you have that. You're missing out if you're not in community. So, the, so they gathered in large group and small group. And, and what I look at here is I look at this uh, people group. They were devoted to each other, man. And there's a, a, a commitment to each other. Um, you know, they, they realized that they, they uh, loved to be together. You know, it was cool. A couple weeks ago, we didn't have a, a church because of the snow. And, uh, you know, I know we come back together the following Sunday, and some were saying, man, you know, I sure miss being in church this past Sunday. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, we, we don't, uh, we, we, we can never take this place for granted to where we're not looking forward and have the opportunity. You know, there's people in our church who've, who are elderly that uh, can't get out on Sundays that would just love to be here. And it's encouraged, it's important that we stay connected and stay devoted to, to being together. They were committed to each other. They broke bread together. They ate meals together. Um, you know, I was thinking about this because I love college football. I like pro football, too. In fact, the Browns might go over 500 if we win today. Can you believe that? The Cleveland Browns. You know, they say if you want to stay married, marry a Browns fan. They'll stay with you forever. And uh, I've been married 34 years. And I'm going for another. I was just married 34 years yesterday. You don't have to congratulate me, but I, my wife has stayed with me for 34 years. And I said, it's because I'm a Browns fan. No, it's because of Jesus. It really is. But um, that wasn't in my notes. Um, oh, this is where I was going with that. <laughs> have you ever noticed these tailgate parties they have? People love those things. You know, they connect around the cause, a team. You know, they have food together. They're playing corn toss. They're, they're, they're throwing footballs around. I mean, they just love that time. And, and you know, it's the world. They need connection. It's just, it's, it's what people are looking for. And, you know, isn't it even better than tailgating when you can come together and study the Bible together and have fellowship with each other and be in community with one another? And, and really, it hit me because you know, I'm not too smart. Because I'm sure you've thought about that. But that's what people want. They want to tailgate together. They want to do life together. And, and, and it's, it's important that we don't miss that opportunity as people. 
So they, they were gathering, they were devoted, and then the, uh, I thought here, they were joyful together. The focus on this early church was on Jesus, and, and because of that, joy flowed out of them. They, there was such a, 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 a happy spirit, a, a hope that came from them. You know, there was needs, so people would sell their possessions and give to the needs in the group. You know, that's, and it gave them joy to do that. And then, as I look at this passage, that idea of simplicity is there. You know, it was about others, not themselves. And by simplicity, you know, it makes me think of the word humility, to be humble. And, you know, so often we just like to make it about ourselves and make it so much about what we experience and what we get out of a worship gathering, what we get out of things, but yet the idea needs to be that it's about others and there's a simplicity. It wasn't about personal agendas, and the focus was on how they could serve others. And then they praised. I'll tell you, and this is such an important thing. Learn how to be a praising people, and God blesses that. But they were thankful. They praised God, having favor with all the people. Um, And, and, you know, as I looked at this passage further, it made me realize those people that were uh, other people, favor with other people, those were people outside the church. Those were your neighbors. Those were your coworkers. And, and those are the people that God puts in our life. And, and, and do they praise God because of how you live your life? At your workplace, do they say, man, Gary at the workplace, he's an idiot. Or do they say, man, you know, he lives out the message he hears on Sunday. And there's a difference. And I think because of the walk that he, they, the, the people showed, there were people getting saved in this church. In fact, I know that because at the end of the passage, it says every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. And it's cool that, that the light of Christ was so real to them and the praising of Jesus was so, so obvious outside the walls of the church that people were coming to Christ because of it. And that's the way church is supposed to be. It's not an inclusive club. Uh, It's a people that's outward focused and reaching others. Now, let me reference one more passage before we move on to our third point. Hebrews 10. And this will come up on the screen too. But in verses 24 through 25, we need to be careful because sometimes this happens. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So I I, I point that verse out because we can't give up. You know, we have to stay in community. We have to stay in church. It's important. Uh, Don't get in that habit of, of, of laying out of what God's called us to uh, as we look at Acts 2. And then it says at the beginning of the passage that we're to spur each other on. And I thought about, what's that look like? What's spurring each other on look like? Well, it involves understanding who another person truly is. You know, it's really kind of getting in their skin and and learning about those people that are maybe in your small group, those people who are your neighbors, and then walking with them. That's spurring them on. It's taking time to wisely invest in people's lives. Now, we're going to roll out some new connect groups here in the next couple weeks. There's ongoing groups. Uh, I encourage you to, to take 
the time to be in a community group. God will bless that. See, you're already done well. You're here. So take that next step if you haven't. Three more. It's a wise investment to go. To go. That's what we're supposed to do, and it's wise to do that. Acts 1, verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus, right before he ascends to heaven... Right before this Acts 2 passage where the Holy Spirit comes and the church starts, he gives a mandate. And the mandate is to go. We're to go. His last words. In fact, he specifically says where we're to go. He covers Jerusalem. So those were people in Jerusalem. Those would be those people in Cleveland County. God wants us to reach our Jerusalem. Those could be a family member. Those could be a co-worker. Maybe someone you're even sitting next to in church. Uh, you say, you know, I need to get to know Fred a little better. I need to get to know George a little better. And, and that's the Jerusalem. I think sometimes we forget the Jerusalem people, <clears throat> those people that are around us. I mean, I think we have the, the, the missions down pretty good to go in other countries. You know, we're covering different parts of the world. Um, but, but, but Jerusalem's important, too. And, and it's important that we, we stay connected to those people. Close. And, and, I, I, and I throw family in here because sometimes family are the ones that drive us the most crazy. I know we're just getting through that holiday season. And you probably have those family members that, that come to your gathering and you say, oh, they're here again. All they did was bring a bag of chips. <laughs> They didn't bring anything. And, you know, it was me doing all the dishes, and they didn't help at all. But you know what? Is that the person that's your Jerusalem? Is that the person that's close by that needs you to love on, to, to, to keep throwing lifelines to? You know, it, it's, again, so easy to love lovely people sometimes, but those people who are just, you know, the down-and-outers, uh, maybe, they're, maybe you're that person. You reach out to them, too. So... That's important. That's your Jerusalem. And, and again, sometimes we'll make excuses. We'll just say things like, well, I just don't have time. Well, if you don't have time for people, you are too busy. In fact, people are what you can take to heaven with you. That's the only thing you can take. Other people. It's a wise investment. Some will say, well, I'm just an introvert. I can't talk about Jesus. Well, if he's changed your life, Acts 1.8 He's come into your life. The power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You have that power to not be an introvert. You know, he's bigger than that. And it's important that you can't use that as an excuse. And then sometimes you'll say, well, I just don't want to impose my beliefs on them. And you say, well, that's not a good answer either. Uh, because they're imposing their beliefs on you. And in fact, what you're saying when you say that, well, eternity doesn't matter. That's really what you're saying. So, so uh, don't let those be your excuses. In fact, go further and let this be why you go. Why you go. And that first thought is it, it matters. Eternity matters. Jesus tells us in John 14, this is one of my favorite passages. You know, and he's talking to the disciples. And, you know, there's obviously some hurts here. And, you know, and he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. For where I am, there you'll be also. And then Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, 
I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So eternity matters. Jesus is the way. Jesus is our hope. And that's a great reason to go because, you know, you have the opportunity to help people get into heaven. And then secondly, you've experienced Jesus. That's a great reason to go because of what Jesus has done to you. In Acts 4, a couple chapters over from Acts 2, we find Peter and John being mentioned there. And they were put in jail for telling people about Jesus. And and they come before the leadership of the Jewish people. And the Jewish people said, you know, we'll we'll let you out if you just kind of, you know, tone it down a little bit. Quit talking about Jesus. But this is what verse 19 says. It says, but Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, Rather, rather than to God, you decide, for we're unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That is so cool to think. I mean, everything, you're around Peter, if you're around Peter and John in this day, they're going to tell you about Jesus. You know, they ooze Jesus. You know, when they, they, they got squeezed and they got squeezed because they were put in jail, you know, they, people just saw Jesus in them. I tell you, man, I, I hope they can see Jesus in me. When I get squeezed, what do they hear? Complaining disputing, sometimes arguing, and that should not be. Never stop speaking about what you have seen and heard. And sometimes this even makes us uncomfortable. You know, if you get, I'll be out to lunch with Quint McCoy sometimes, and he'll start telling people about Jesus, and it's like, Quint, man, I'm hungry. But you know what? Quint's really seeking to do what's most important, and that's telling people about Jesus. And we should tell people about Jesus because we've experienced Jesus. And if you're not telling people about Jesus, maybe you haven't experienced Jesus. And then one more. It's just an obedient thing. And that's not a, it's just, it's important. Obedience. That's why you tell people about Jesus. It's what we're called to do. It's our mandate. It's our opportunity and responsibility. So we serve, we connect, we go, and then we give. We give. You know, in... Matthew chapter 6, we read a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And in this Sermon on the Mount, we see in chapters 5, 6, and 7, and, and, and Jesus is just talking about a bunch of things. He's talking about marriage. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about, you know, not to worry. And he hits right about in the middle of the sermon, he starts talking about what's important to so often most of us. And that's our funds, our giving, our money. And he says this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus focuses here on on stuff. On money. And, and I think we learn a lot about people sometimes by how we give. And, and it's important to know that you're not giving to a church. You're giving to Jesus. You know, it's important also to know that there's more than just giving our, our funds and our stuff. But we should also give our time. We should also give our talents, what God's blessed us with when it comes to giftings. You know, I think they all three go together. And uh, none's even really more important than the other, but he focuses on giving here. And so it's important to the Lord. So I encourage you, are you giving? And what a great opportunity to start giving. 
And again, time, talents, and also your treasures. So how do you give? Well, you give generously. You know, don't hold back. You know, just throw it in there. Thanks, Lord. It's, it's all yours anyway, so I'm just going to give it to you. You might want to go up a percent this year or 2% or 5% of your giving. So we do it generously. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. So we give generously. We give to please God. God desires us to be good stewards of what we've been given, and we give it so we're pleasing him, hold, hold it loosely, and then we give joyfully. We give joyfully. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I see that as being joyful in our giving. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. So we give joyfully. A wise investment are we willing to give. <clears throat> and then the last one, I encourage us to be wise and in finishing well. Now, this is really the younger crowd of our church for the most part. You know, not a lot of you are over 50. I know maybe a few of you are. I know Walt's up there in 70, Walt and Carol. But we're thankful for them. But I had to wake him up a little bit. You're not sleeping, I know. Anyway, but as you think about this, you know, Finish well what God started in you. Uh, Jesus, in John 17, is a, uh, a prayer he's offering. He's near the end of his earthly life, and he's, he's, he's really realizing what's at stake here. He's about to give his life for the church and for us. And this is what he says, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Isn't that cool to think about? God, you put me here, and I did what I was called to. I, I, I did what you made me for. I, I, I'm giving myself because that's what you've called me to do. He invested well. And as we seek to finish well, you know, here's just a couple thoughts of, of how this can kind of come together for us. First of all, realize this. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works. You know, God created you not to just sit on the sidelines after you get saved and just kind of take it all in. You know, sure, we should take, take some in, but we also need to give it away. I think sometimes if we just take it all in, we become stagnant and not fresh. And, and, and we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, not to save us, but because they're the result of our faith. In fact, Ephesians 2 tells us this, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not, in, from, not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Created to do good works. A gratitude attitude will help you as you go through serving and giving. And then you're created one more, two more actually, to be steadfast as you go. And this kind of goes along with the third thought here too. But when you're steadfast, you, you just finish. You, 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 don't, you don't get off the path, you just stay, well, when you do get off the path, you jump back in the game and say, I'm going to finish this thing. And, and Paul gives us great insight. He says, therefore, my dear brothers, and, uh, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Isn't that a great verse? You know, just, I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to be steadfast in this. Uh, nothing's going to move me. I got eternity at stake, so I'm going to be faithful to this. In fact, be faithful to who you're married to. 
uh, I think one of the greatest pictures, it is the great picture, marriage, because it's the picture of Christ and the church. The greatest picture of how you can even be a witness is by how your marriage is. God will bless that, you know, stay connected, stay married. You know, I, I told you yesterday is my anniversary, 34, I'm signing up for another 34 years, and I'm bringing her with me because I want to stay married. And, and sure, it's not easy at times, you know, but it's also the best way that we can show Jesus to a lost and dying world. In fact, you know who's counting on you to stay married? Your kids. Your grandkids are counting on you. I've got several grandkids now. In fact, my one son, he keeps trying to adopt kids. And uh, it's kind of cool. He's my neighbor now. My one son, he just adopted this little boy. He's four years old. I think he's almost four. He's, he's a ball of fire. And he, we moved near them. And, and he, he comes down to see me, and he says, hey, neighbor. <laughs> it's, like, it's like he knocks on the door and anything. I said, Heidi, here comes Isaiah. And the cool thing is, they're counting on us to finish well, to stay married. I, I tell you, it's, it's the best thing. So who you're married to right now, I know some of you maybe had uh, challenges before, that's who you stay married to, okay? So, John, you're staying married to Ginger, okay? Ginger, the old boy needs you. Stay with him. And then there's one more, one more thought. I am uh, created to make my time count and finish well. Paul said it so well in the end of chapter uh, 4 in 2 Timothy, and he's near death, and he says, I, finished, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I kept the faith. You know, here's this older man in the, in the faith, and he's finishing well. And God wants us all to finish well. You know, we just had the opportunity to be in Florida. And my, my wife's parents, we got to visit them. They live in Sarasota, Florida. And we, we visited them on Christmas Day. And, you know, they, they moved into a retirement center, a care facility. But you know what he's doing there? This guy, 85 years old, 86 years old, he's the prayer coordinator for the whole uh, unit that he's in. About 40 people in there. They bring him prayer requests. In fact, they even gave him another job last week. They had him be the... the uh, the complaint department. <laughs> Can you imagine 40, 50 old people complaining? They take them all to Arnie, and he handles them, you know, and he's good at it because that's kind of what his background was. But he, he's finishing well, and that's what God wants us to do here. We were created to finish well. You can't just say, well, you know, I did my time. I know the church needs workers, but you got to finish well. we got to be faithful to the end. God's called us that. Eternity's at stake. People need us. Our families are counting on us, and God wants us to, to finish well. Application. 2019, what opportunities we'll most likely have to serve and to invest? What will we invest in? In fact, as you think of this, and this is your application, which of these investments is going to be my biggest challenge in 2019. I checked them all. They're all going to be hard for me, but they're worth it. I will be a wise investor who is willing to. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you that you've chosen to be present in our lives. You're that help in time of trouble. You're that perfect father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the greatest investment ever by giving us your son, the Lord Jesus. And thank you that you've been willing to invest in us. So I pray, God, as you, uh, 
I believe, have met with us this morning through what your word has taught, through the worship time we could have, that we now, Lord, would just reflect on what you're calling us to do and be as a result of this new year that's before us. So, Lord, right now as we go into this song of invitation, may, Lord, we examine ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.